748 on the morning news and of course lots happening across our nation COVID-19 related coast to coast and with an update we're joined by David Aiken Global's chief political correspondent good morning David morning guys I want to start with what what you might know about these Canadians 250 of them in the cruise ships that are leaving the Panama Canal uh, headed toward Florida and uh, uh, President Donald Trump said the Canadians will have the opportunity to go home do we know how that might look as far as is it going to be a military aircraft to pick them up and uh, any kind of a time frame on that not really, no. We're going to hear more from that from Minister Champagne, our foreign affairs minister, uh, probably about noon Eastern. He'll be part of the daily ministerial briefing, and we'll find out uh, how that's going to work. Uh, but you're right, Trump says the Canadians, Can- Trump has said Canadian authorities will be taking over that uh, file. We do know the Florida government has been a little, a little resistance to let anybody off those ships and, and onto land, but uh, won't know anything more until about noon Eastern today. David, how about uh, compensation? Uh, Are we expecting a little more from uh, both the finance minister and the prime minister today? Just trying to get a little bit of a a more clear picture on the, uh, the massive compensation package for Canadians? Well, we got uh, some details about that yesterday, and uh, primarily the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy Program. This is a wage subsidy of 75% of wages uh, that will cover 75% of the wages employers pay to employees. It doesn't matter the size of the company, doesn't matter the sector, oil and gas, retail, accountancy, you name it. Businesses have been frantic to get details of this, and here's what they learned yesterday. First of all, this subsidy will not be paid for three to six weeks. So we could be looking at the middle of May before businesses finally see a check coming from the Canada Revenue Agency. And that's the organization that is going to be paying this out, and that's the organization that businesses have to apply for. So if you're a business owner and you haven't already got an online relationship with the CRA, I'm sure almost everybody does, Get that done. Make sure you've got direct banking set up. And then what you'll do is you'll apply at the CRA probably in a week or so, and you'll have to show the CRA that your revenues have fallen in this month or the last month by 30% compared to last year. Mm. Now, a lot of businesses can do that. Some can't. If you're a startup, for example, you were in startup mode last year. Now you've just started your sales. How do you show year-over-year drops of 30%? So let's say you're a seasonal business. Uh, we asked the finance minister about that yesterday. There is going to be some fine-tuning, but those details, TBDs. But in the meantime, get set up with CRA. Now, a lot of business owners have been contacting me like all morning, all yesterday, going, I don't know if I'm going to be in business three to six weeks from now. I don't know if I can get to that wage subsidy being available. And for those businesses, there is a government-backed loan program. Small businesses can get up to $40,000, but you get that from your financial institution. If you want to talk to your bank about that, banks have been trying to ramp this program up as fast as possible, and they say that they think they can start getting this $40,000 loan program out as early next week. But once again, that is a subsidy paid to employers, and then employers then can keep people on the payroll or rehire them. It's not going directly to employees. It's going to employers who then are giving a paycheck, and that's what we really like to have happen, keep these employees and employers together. Employers give a paycheck to their employees, even though it might be subsidized by the federal government. Mm. David, earlier this week, it was Deputy Health Minister Stephen Lucas said that uh, COVID-19 might uh, uh, worsen the problem of uh, drug shortages for people with everyday prescriptions and saying that Canadians should not be stockpiling or hoarding their regular prescriptions because of the drug makers uh, working around the clock around the world, uh, particularly since some of these medicines are coming from China and India. Um, Serious business and uh, serious, I guess, uh, uh, warning we should take heed to. 
Yeah, I guess it's absolutely. You want to follow the directions of health officials in all matters, and that seems like good advice to me, sure. Yeah, it's uh, lots going on. I mean, thank you for the breakdown, the financial breakdown, because we're getting a lot of uh, texts and emails from folks, too, just kind of confused about there are so many programs being rolled out, and, and where do they go, and, and when are the phones actually going to be answered? When can they get through? You must be hearing a lot of that as well. Yeah, the key is online, both for businesses and individuals. As I said, businesses can get this wage subsidy through the Canada Revenue Agency. For Can- the other subsidy program for Canadians is the Canada Emergency Relief Benefit. That's a subsidy worth $2,000 a month paid directly to you as a Canadian if you've lost your job. And it includes coverage for the self-employed. This is the Canada Emergency Revenue Benefit. And that, too, you will go to the Canada Revenue Agency, the CRA, to apply for and get that. So if you haven't got this online relationship with the CRA, do it. Most people often do it now. That's where you pay your taxes and get your refund. Mm -hmm. There'll be a place there to apply. That program, the CERB for individuals, comes online on April the 6th. And it should be shortly thereafter when the checks from that program come out. So one program for employers, the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy. Other program, Canada Emergency Relief Benefit for individual Canadians, including the self-employed. Thanks for your time this morning, David. Thanks. David Aiken, Global's Chief Political Correspondent. Coming up to 719 on the morning news, there continues to be more infections and uh, many lives lost in Europe. We're checking with Global's Europe Bureau Chief, Crystal Gumansing, to hear how COVID-19 continues to impact Europe. Good morning, Crystal. Good morning. What's the latest? Because I know here in uh, uh, in Canada, we're talking about the North American issues at hand and uh, looking stateside and their numbers are staggering as they continue to grow. What's the latest out of Europe? Well, in the UK, we just got the latest numbers, and uh, it does show the continued upswing of infections as well as deaths here. The latest numbers show that uh, just over 29,000 positive cases and uh, 2,921 deaths. Now, looking at the previous day's numbers, we were looking at about 2,300 deaths. So a major increase there. But again, with, this is something we've been warned about, that it's there's a slow progression and then when we start to see the increase, the increases will be quite dramatic. And that is what we're seeing in the UK. More calls, of course, for testing for healthcare workers. They are demanding to be tested, saying they don't know if they should be going back to work, if they should be in isolation. We have heard continued promises from Prime Minister Boris Johnson and other government officials. It's worth noting that Boris Johnson is still in self-isolation. The um, Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, just got out of isolation. He had also tested positive. So we're hearing more promises from government officials that they will continue to ramp up testing for healthcare workers. What about a financial aid, Crystal? We're hearing, you know, in the States, it's in the trillions. Here in Canada, it's in the billions. Is there relief coming for folks in the UK right now? Yeah, a number of aid packages were uh, put together, discussed and debated uh, probably about two weeks ago now. And we've heard uh, a number of, of new fronts. The latest package that is being debated and called for is a special payment package for anyone um, on the health care front who may potentially lose their life because of this pandemic. So we are talking about in the um, you know hundreds of millions of pounds uh, situation. So a lot of money there. And, of course, we know that this is having such a huge financial impact uh, on the business sector, all business sectors. British Airways just announcing that they are just putting together the final um, 
plans to, to lay off more workers. So it is having such huge impact, not only on our day-to-day lives, but the economy as well. And how about supplies? You mentioned maybe some increased testing in the UK. Um, are uh, the test kits in good numbers and uh, masks and uh, what the healthcare workers need? It is the call that we are hearing around the world from healthcare workers and government officials. It's people need more protective equipment, gloves, masks, gowns, shields. All of those things are in desperate need. We are hearing that, you know, supplies are being delivered, that, um, you know, the, the number of, of PPE being delivered is in the millions. However, we also know that health officials are burning through these pieces faster than they normally would just because they're seeing so many sick people. And we have heard promises from government officials saying, listen, we don't want anyone putting their their lives more at risk because they're not able to access the protective equipment they need. But just supply is, of course, an issue. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for the update, Crystal. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. You too. Be safe. That's Crystal Gumansing, Global's Europe Bureau Chief. Discussions around serious illness and what happens to a person's assets if they pass away is important for every Canadian. Having a solid plan in place ensures a person's estate is left in the hands of the trusted loved ones, not the government. Joining us for some answers is Chris Sabad. Chris is a general counsel at McMillan Estate Planning. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. How are you today? Good. Thank you for spending time with us. It's a tough conversation to have, but with the current situation, perhaps a conversation that has come up and is necessary, I I think, for every family, isn't it? It it certainly is. Um, You know, typically when we're talking about estate planning, we're talking about sort of, you know, lifetime goals and and ambitions, you know, your ambitions for your legacy that you've built during your lifetime. But, But now what we're hearing more and more is, is people are thinking about, you know, what, what happens, you know, if sort of the worst comes about. And, uh, you know, in that regard, people are starting to turn their mind to things like putting in place the last will and testament. You know, do I have a personal directive in place? Uh, those types of things to enable people to make decisions on their behalf. What else, Chris, is made up in this? Is it, is it just the will or, or what else is involved in actual estate planning? Well, you know, when it comes to estate planning, we're really talking about sort of a, a host of, of tools and techniques. We're looking at tax minimization. We're looking at ways to minimize market risk. We're looking at, um, you know, opportunities that might come about in the market as a result of a, of a crisis like this. Um, but, but, you know, again, sort of at this point in time, a lot of people are really sort of focusing on the immediate short-term issues and, uh and, and are really starting to, to try and get things in place, just, just in case. Mm-hmm. When it comes to a will, I finally have uh, got one in the past year. I was uh, shocked at how easy it was. I, I think that the uh, from my experience and uh, from outside looking in before I uh, sat down and put pen to paper, I thought it would be a, a real task and, and, a, and a real drag, if you will, but it, it doesn't take as much as you think, does it? No, it doesn't. You know, when you when you start talking about a, a will itself, it's relatively simple. I mean, really what you're doing is distributing assets. You know, where it becomes a little bit more complex is if you're thinking about, um, you know, how assets might be managed for others if something should happen to you. You know, if you have young children or family members with disabilities, um, you know, family members that, that can't manage money, those types of things, that's that's where it can start to become a, a little bit more complex. But, you know, what we find is that a lot of people, once they sort of turn their mind to these documents, it, there's actually a sense of comfort that comes with it. So, you know, the, the reality is many of us have, have kind of pushed it off too long. Um, 
and and there's some satis, satis you know it's satisfying to, to ultimately get them done and, and get them in place you know, at times like this, when you know, people get sick, and, and unfortunately, people do pass away when we're talking about this illness, uh, this COVID-19 virus, is it time then maybe also, if you have a will, to just maybe pull it out and revisit it? Is that important to do every once in a while? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when you look at your will, you're talking about what happens to assets, but you're also talking about who manages your estate. And so, you know, it's not uncommon to see folks will say, you know, we'll designate maybe a brother or a family member. Well, what happens if they're not able to act? You know, who's the backup? Who will, who will step into, into uh, you know, that, that first person that's been designated uh, into their shoes to, to sort of take things over? So it is time to dust these things off. You know, life life happens and things change and circumstances change and the you know, the needs of our of our beneficiaries change and it's it's, you know, time to have another look at these things, I would suggest. Where do we start? Like if I decide today that it's time to get these uh, documents, uh, you know, ready and filled out, do I have to prepare things at home as far as getting paperwork together? And uh, uh, is there a checklist that somebody should uh, look at before they approach somebody like yourself? You know, to be to be truthful, I find it works works best if you actually just sit down with someone and have a conversation um, you know, there's a lot of information available online about, you know, things about like uh, how to how to select an executor and those sorts of things. But, you know, I find if you're having the conversation and you're you're able to better understand the roles and the issues, then it's a lot easier to make the decisions. Otherwise, you're just kind of kind of stabbing at this a, a bit in the dark. So. And Chris, I mean, you know, Andy mentioned going online and there are certainly you can, you know, download a will form online. But really in something like this, when you're really talking about, you know, something that is extremely important, it really is best to have a conversation with a professional in this case, isn't it? No, absolutely. I I, I look at it this way. You spend a lifetime building your legacy. Do you really want to decide what's going to happen to it through an online tool? Hmm. You know, it's... You know, if you own a business, you've had accountants, you've had lawyers, um, other professionals throughout your your career, uh, you know, touching it and giving you advice. And, you know, again, I go back to sort of an online tool. Are you really confident that you're going to end up with the result that, that you wish to have? Good point. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your time this morning, Chris. Absolutely. Thank you very much. That is Chris Sabat, General Counsel at Macmillan Estate Planning, and you can find uh, the Macmillan Estate people online at macmillanestate.com. 7.09 now, and boy, parents, you might be feeling a little overwhelmed with the kids out of school indefinitely, but we're being reminded we are not alone as new homeschooling parents. Joining us now is Lisa Marie Fletcher from the website The Canadian Homeschooler. Hi, Lisa Marie. Hi there. Hey, thanks for joining us. You know, the kids are, are at home, obviously, indefinitely. A lot of them, most of them, I would think right by, by now, have their new school outlines. But I know I've talked to my parent friends. We're worried about how best we can help our kids. Do you have any advice for us? Uh, well, the first thing I'll say is that uh, homeschoolers are just in the same boat as you right now. We're all confused and trying to figure out what to do. We're missing all of our usual events and activities just like you guys are so we're all upside down too but I know trying to figure out how to add learning into your day when you're not used to it can be unsettling especially when you have other responsibilities like teaching I mean parents uh, working that's mm-hmm. the word I was thinking yeah. <laughs> one of those things yeah so uh, I was just thinking about it and how we fit our homeschool into our days I would uh, 
I've had a lot of people asking me questions about schedules and routines and how do I fit this all in? And my advice is not to work to a clock because I think looking at a clock makes people stressed out because it's 1030, you should be done math. What are you done math? So getting into a daily routine, which is more like just get up, have some breakfast. Now we're going to do school this morning and then after school is chores and then after chores is lunch. That kind of routine, instead of having the 9 to 9.30 is math and 9.30 to 10 is English, like that kind of thing in general. And then one thing that I found successful with my kids in particular is using checklists. So if I give them either a whiteboard checklist or a piece of paper with the list of what they have to do for the day on it, then they know exactly what to expect. And it makes your day easier because you're not fighting with them about what they need to do because they can see exactly what they have to do. And they can cross things off as they accomplish it. And, you know, even as a grown-up, crossing things off your list just feels pretty good, right? True. <laughs> I like yeah. that because you got the visual component there. And then, they, yeah, they feel like they've accomplished something. Aside from the, uh, like you say, not scheduling down to the minute, is there a best place in the house we should set our kids up uh, to do their schoolwork? Honestly, my tip for that is anywhere they're willing to work is a place you're willing to use. Just like that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I, we, we yeah, in my house, we do school on the kitchen couch, in the den, hiding from other students on the island, in the kitchen, um, you know, anywhere they can work. Yeah. You know, it, it feels like I, you're not the first homeschooling parent I've talked to who who seems to think that, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be as super structured as it would be in the, the, uh, the school, right? I mean, this is not, we're not in school. This is a, a whole no. different way and a whole different world for all of us. So find a way that works, whatever that might be for your kid. Is that what you're getting at? Exactly. However it works, make it work for you. Like don't, don't copy school at home because that's just going to stress you out. Do what works. That's the best offer, advice I can offer to anybody starting this adventure. So. Okay, if I have multiple kids, though, is, is it best for them to say to both kids, hey, we're going to do schoolwork at the same time, or is it better to spread it out, or is there a rule surrounding that? I don't think that there's a rule because every family will have different. I've got five kids. So wow. what I do is I start my day with my littles because I have uh, can, I have a preschool or kindergarten grade one couple of kids. And so we start with them generally first. We want to fill up their like energy like mom loves me tank. And then they are happy and content for longer than if... <laughs> If I ignore them for a while, then they want my attention all day, right? So if I start with them, um, I have done group things with my kids in the past. We've done, you know, unit studies together or we sit at the table and we each do math together. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, kid personalities, they tend to clash sometimes because they all want the attention at the same time. And so what I've done now is I generally have one kid doing an independent thing, whether that's doing a computer-based lesson or reading a book or whatever. And then I focus on the one child that needs one-on-one at that time. So if we're studying something specific that they need, I do one-on-one with them, and then we switch around to the next kid, that kind of thing. But you'll just, as general as everything, you have to kind of personalize it to your own kids and what they need. And Lisa Marie, do you think that life mm-hmm. skills, stuff like cooking and, and, you know, I don't know, planting a garden, that sort of thing, those are just as important uh, when we're homeschooling uh, our kids? Absolutely. We've got an opportunity right now, which, you know, I don't think we've had in so long to be able to just add in all these extra things that we always wanted to add, like, you know, teach the kids how to check the oil in the car or plant a garden or mm-hmm. things. We have this opportunity. These are things that they will be able to use forever. So, yeah. And and they often say that you know uh, being in one place and doing one thing at the uh, for for an extended period of time, even for workers, you got to stretch your legs. So do you try to build in as a homeschooler that chance to uh, not go to the playground this uh, time around, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, walk around the block or take the dog for a walk? 
Um, yeah, if you have the opportunity to do that, absolutely do that. If you don't, then you can do There's a website called Go Noodle, like Go Noodle, <laughs> and they've got some fitness activities or there's lots of YouTube channels with like yoga and that kind of thing. If your kids are interested in having intentional physical activities, that's good. If not, you can always do things like Okay, I see you're not focusing. Here's a challenge for you. Run up the stairs, touch the wall in your bedroom. Then run to the basement and touch the wall in the basement and then come back to me. Like you can just get them moving anytime they need it. We need to not pretend that we're teachers because we're not. Uh-huh. We're parents trying to get through this the best way we can and, and just be exactly. inventive and think outside the box, really, right? Absolutely. As I said, my favorite thing is what works for you, make it work. Yeah. <laughs> If you're working from home uh, and uh, you have your uh, school-aged uh, kid uh, doing online courses, do you still look at the standard weekends? Uh, do you try to block those off? Uh, we don't do school on weekends uh, because we like to have family time together on the weekends, and uh, the kids don't want to be doing school every day. I think you have to you have to see if. If you feel like they haven't done enough in the week to your own personal opinion, then you can add more in. But everybody wants weekends, right? Heck yeah. (laughs) Talk to us a little bit about your website, thecanadianhomeschooler.com. You've got lots of information and lots of tools there as well. Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, this is my 10th year, actually. This is my 10th anniversary year. And uh, my goal with the website is to just be able to support and encourage homeschoolers across Canada, um, provide resources for them and connect them with companies and tools. I've been trying to listen to what people are asking for right now and provide whatever support I can in this crazy, weird time. (laughs) And uh, I I just I love being able to help the community because we're all in this together, even if your your usual public schooler and this is a new adventure for you we are all just trying to teach our kids and make sure they have a great education to the best of our ability mm-hmm. and your website again is the canadian homeschooler.com thank you so much lisa thank you that's lisa marie fletcher from the website the canadian homeschooler you know, it, it's a tough one. I've seen lots of posts online from folks and I've heard from a bunch of my friends of, you know, people being a little stressed out yeah. because the kids are stressed. They're just, they're getting it all online and it's new, right? We're not used to it. We've been out of school for a little bit now and there's just a whole lot of anxiety involved. So I think just, you know, calming it down. And, and if you have questions, most of the teachers are still accessible for us. If you're wondering, you know, you don't understand the, the information that came home from your school to your kid, reach out to your teacher and and maybe check out that Canadian homeschooler website might find some things and some tips and tricks and and lists that will make our lives as the parents at home now a little easier. Yeah, because as you said, we're not the teachers. Mm-mm. Well, I tell you, uh, the Foothills Hospital Home Lottery is well underway. And not only are more than 4,000 prizes to be won, but the money raised helps with health care right here in our own city. Joining us with details is Val Ball, Director of Marketing and Communications for the Calgary Health Trust. Hi, Val. Hi. This is, we're great. We're happy that you're joining us. We want to talk about the bonus prize. But first of all, I think now more than ever, we're realizing how vital it is that we have the best hospitals and equipment possible. And the lottery money helps make that happen, right? That's right. I mean, healthcare is something that I think has impacted us all over our our life, but now we're seeing just how important it is more than ever. And, you know, at Calgary Health Trust, we've supported healthcare and uh, AHS for a long time. So we want to work alongside them and be as responsive as we can to supporting their needs, Um, not only today and what they're doing with vulnerable populations and mental health and, and of course, on the front lines, but also in preparation for the future and what an evolving healthcare system will look like. 
the lottery is not stopping in any way, shape, or form, and, of course, always online. So it, it is one of those things where if you're at home and you want to make a difference, it's the perfect opportunity, isn't it? It is. You can actually go to the website, foothillshospitalhomelottery.com, and we have uh, virtual tours there. So if you've not got a chance um, to check out the Grand Prize Show Home, the $2.6 million um, Grand Prize Show Home in Cranston, you can do a virtual tour, check it out there. And we also have the $1.1 million Canmore Early Bird Prize there. Um, So, you know, you get a little escape to the mountains from your home Mm -hmm. computer. (laughs) And envision yourself in your new home. It's not a bad idea. Hey, Val, uh, the bonus prize deadline is tomorrow night friday night at midnight tough decision between the two options up for grabs in this one that's right we have uh the bmw which you know is a pretty luxurious car um or you can take a hundred thousand dollars cash so you do have to make a decision if you win that prize and if you're in for that you're also in for that 2.6 million dollar show home and our early bird prize the 1.1 million dollar canmore penthouse i love that part that you know once your name is drawn you put the name back in you're in for all four thousand of the prizes even if you win one or ten yeah yeah it makes your chances of winning pretty good <laughs> one or ten don't be greedy soup <laughs> let's talk about that 50 50 and uh, what that is at at this point val Oh my goodness, it's over $1.7 million for the jackpot. Of course, the winner will take half on that. So that's an add-on. You can uh, get that on the website too. It doesn't sound so bad if you win that, hey? Not not bad at all. Oh boy, it's hard to decide. Uh, Sexy BMW convertible, cash. Oh, do I want electronics, trips, homes? So many to be won and uh, more than 4,000 in total. Always... How do you even do it? How do you how do you uh, make these available? All these great prizes every time. Oh, I have to tell you, we have some amazing partners. Um, our show home partner is uh, Calbridge Homes. They just are fantastic to work with, um, and they put everything into these homes. Just uh, Elko, who's the designer, just is brilliant with his visions. And actually, this home has a lot of locally sourced materials in it. So if you're in the kitchen, it's got a lot of locally sourced um, granite and some of the hood fan is from a local person here. So lots of talent that goes into these homes as well. And then Spring Creek and Canmore, they just, they're doing amazing things with that community. And um, Frank, the owner and his team are just incredible to work with. And they just keep bringing these really amazing views mm-hmm. to us so we it's hard to say no to a beautiful view out in canmore so. you're not, especially <laughs> right now when we're cooped up inside to be able to look out the window at the mountains would be nice thanks val for joining us thanks guys that's val ball director of marketing communications for the calgary health trust and of course you can go online buy your tickets today and take that virtual tour of the show home or the conmore uh, conmore that's a combination of canmore and condo you can go <laughs> online and do all of that foothillshospitalhomelottery.com